a great Australian sprinter, nature's type, and Dave McDonald, and look how far they've won by. Can he do it? Chautauqua, he's flying! The autumn sun, boy, you'll have to be good to win from there. Artorias pounces, bombs them, and wins! Fiend Stakes Day this weekend at the Valley, and unlike the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, we have a golden ticket up for sales, but it's not for the Chocolate Factory, it's for the Cox Plate, everybody. The, a, a free ticket into the Cox Plate is available this weekend in the Fiend Stakes, and geez, it's a good race to try and get your way into the great race. Uh, also headlined by the, by the Run to the Rose at Rose Hill this weekend, uh, a lot of the three-year-olds trying to make their way. Uh, it's it's the main but it's a, it's the main lead up race for the Golden Rose. So there's a lot of interesting three year olds in this year's contest, and should be a pretty good race down at the Valley and at Rose Hill. Both are both the rails in the true position this week. So the rails in the true have played a lot fairer than it did when the rails out four or five. So and the same with Rose Hill. It's the same with Rose Hill. Those tracks can tend to be pretty on pace biased um, with the rail out, but they're both in the true. So hoping for a pretty steady day of racing between them. Uh, some of the Group, the main group races this weekend. One of the one of the group races in Sydney is the Group Two Scirocco Stakes, and recently it's been taken out by Shades of Rose on on Trivier, Hawbury on her Mizzy and Invincibella. So I think Shades of Rose was actually in the Everest last year, the year before. So that's got some pretty good form. And same with Hawbury on her. I think Waller was trying to get her into the Everest one or two years ago. And then the Run to the Rose has been taken out by. In Secret, Animo, Rothfire, Bivouac, and Lean Mean Machine. So those fast, those past four winners have been producing some pretty good one, good group one wins out of them. And even if they haven't won a couple of group ones, they've definitely been running into them. The Group Two Theo Mark Stakes have been taken out by Kiku, Arcadia Queen, and Winks in recent years. And down in the Valley, we have the Group the Group Two Mini McEwen uh, has been taken out by Rothfire. Balavella, Nature Strip, and Chautauqua. So some pretty good all-time spinners of the turf are in that one. And the Group 2 Fian Stakes has been taken out by Mr. Brightside, Superstorm, Humidor, and Homesman. So pretty good honor rolls at some of the feature races this weekend. Only a couple little news topics to, to have a go over this week. Zach Purton is coming down for the uh, main spring carnival, and he's got his first couple of rides booked. He's booked to ride light infantry from the Maranusis uh, camp in the the new Group One on Everest Day, the King Charles III Stakes at uh, Ranwick. So he's on board that. He's also booked to buy, to book to ride light infantry as well on the Cox Plate. So Purton's already booked in. Uh, interesting to see what everybody else everybody else gets assigned to. And Joe Maria is also confirmed to be riding in the Sydney Carnival, but I'd imagine he'll end up coming down. Like I, if. Joe Maria is in the country. People are going to be wanting to get him for a, a Cox Plate or a Melbourne Cup ride. So I'd imagine he'd head his way down there at some point, but wait, we'll have to wait for the bookings to get released. And two of the all-time greats at the turf as well have just been retired from last week. Nature Strip and Eduardo are, are both uh, hung up the boots after a pretty illustrious careers. Nature Strip had 22 wins from 44 starts, so that's basically a 50% strike rate. Nine group ones and over $20 million in prize money. And Eduardo finished his campaign with 12 wins from 39 starts, two group ones and $7 million in prize money plus. So, yeah, I think both of them have been pretty much staples of the sprinting races for our last couple of years. And they've been pretty much in every um, Everest since it's started, I believe. Or maybe they didn't make the first one or even didn't make the first one. So this year's Everest is going to look a lot different without those two boys in it. Um, And also big blow for the first couple of weeks of the carnival is J-Max out. First, for the next four weeks, I believe, or something, he he had an injury on Hawaiian Gold Cup Day. He fell fell from like as soon as the like when the gates opened, he like the horse dismounted him, and he I think he's fractured his ankle or his wrist or something. But goes to show, like last weekend, he was still riding and he still was riding winners and everything last weekend. So that bloke's made a steal. He can still ride a couple of winners home with the the broken ankle apparently. So I think like they've only given him four weeks, but I think it's better to take him now while it's not like. Everest and all like the really good group races by the end of the spring. So smart decision by J-Mac at the moment. Let him rest up and he'll be back for some Everest rides and some Cox Plates rides more than likely. So I think that's about it for our news, like a little bit of a recap from this week. We'll go to a quick break now and then we'll come back with our recaps of Ranwick and Caulfield. All right, recap time from last weekend. We will start at Randwick as usual. Uh, in the first race, uh, I think it was the midway and straight ace. They put him away 
like a good thing. He was sitting last on the corner, and I think there was. I think he might have been might have been second favorite. I think Backrover was the favorite, and Straight Acer had won the week before and had, had everything going its way. But I thought, like at the corner, he might not have got there in time. But geez, like with. 100 meters to go when he got out. Like when he got out, he ended up winning by three or four lengths in the end. So it was a good win to start the day by straight eight. So uh, I wasn't, I, I didn't tip it or anything, but yeah, geez, it was a good win to the eye. Uh, race two, we had I like big putts at eight. I think it, it drifts from it. I didn't bet on it until the actual day and it, it got out to like $81 a win and $17 a place or something. I was playing golf at the time and I told the boys about it and they're like, oh, yeah, all right, we'll have to have a go at it. And I was the only person to bet on it each way. Like everybody else had it just, they would just put 10 bucks on the nose, but I had 10 bucks each way and I had it at $81 a win and $17 a play. So that was first bit of the day straight down the gullet and had a, had, had a bit of a bank to play around with the day. So I like big putts, but I think it looked like I was going to win for a little bit too. I was like, oh shit, we, <laughs> we might be on here at 80 to one, but just wasn't meant to be. I think the winner was it of Oz has been spooked around a little bit too. So, uh, all honest with the winner, but yeah, I like to be puzz held on to third for us at around $17 I had it at. Race three, Wave Rider Boy finally broke through, and geez, I'm happy I didn't get off him. The last couple of stars have been breaking my heart. Second, 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 more seconds than Dock at an all-you-can-eat Chinese restaurant on a Sunday afternoon. But yeah, geez, he, like, yeah, it, it's exactly what happened. He just He's always been drawing shit. His last couple of runs, even at Caulfield, he, he drew seven of whatever, and it was a better ride. It was a better map for him, actually. And, yeah, Blake Shield in the saddle just – but it just it just found one better in Vivian. So it's hard to believe that, like, after that one, I was – I'm in an RM, but I was getting $6 a win or something for it. So I was, like, easy. Like, oh, not easy, but I was like, yeah, I, I could have a better him at $6. And, yeah, same thing. Drew, Drew Barrier 7 and J-Mac was in the saddle and just proved too good for him in the end. Like, I think that was the good thing about Randwick is that you could pretty much, like – Horses on the day led and run like led and won the races. Horses come from last and won races, so it played really fair. And I think that's pretty much what gave Wave Rider Boy its win. If it was a if it, if it was a really leaders bias day, he would have had no chance. But the track was playing fair. He drew well and he had a good barrier on. So all honors to Wave Rider Boy and J Mac in the third race. Race number four uh, didn't really have a bet, but I was I'm going to know about Tazrael, and I said the I think it was the only thing was that was going to bet it was the barrier. And that's what beat at the Barry. Just had too much work to do. It still come. I think it still managed to come second or third. I believe. I can't really remember, but it should have played. Oh, I didn't actually. Okay, never mind then. Um, but yeah, it was definitely up there. I wasn't really too sure on it. But yeah, so we avoided that one. Race five, but didn't we have too? Didn't we have it marked down to much either? I think it was a bit of a mare race. That might have been the staying race of the day. I uh, don't really take too much interest to in them unless I got a bet on them. And then race six, the the CEO's best bet of the day, Tis Invincible, and it's been winning, it's been knocking to give us some pretty good wins at the start. And I was, I mean, I'm like when you said best bet of the day, I was a bit blown back. I was like, oh shit, really? Like here we go. Um, but yeah, I was pretty keen on Cigar Flick, and I, I thought Cigar Flick had it from from a long way out when he was in the front, but just everything ran over him late. And yeah, Tis Invincible did exactly that from off the speed, just went straight by everything. So. Can't really knock the win of Tis Invincible by any means, but the one in behind it that I think it had the best section of the race, uh, Kamachi might have ran in the second or third, and that like if, if you've got to follow if you're going to follow that form, Kamachi is definitely one to follow as well. He's just been getting too far back, and he's been he's been racing in the same races as Tis Invincible and all those that big group at the moment, and he's been having the best sectionals, but he's just haven't haven't been drawing barriers and haven't been getting the right run in races, so. Wouldn't be sacking either of Kamochi or uh, Cigar Flick, but yeah, Tiz was a was a very good win from the CEO and a good tip from him. And race seven, uh, Remark was just too dominant first up over a thousand meters. Uh, I was I, I put it in the quarter because I was like it, it it did get backed in a fair bit on the day, and yeah, I think like I think last start. It bolted like first up last prep. It carried like sixty two kilos or something, and and then I went by a couple lengths, and it's like. It was a pretty good win first up, and I'm like, oh, first up again. Had didn't have as much weight as anything else in the race, so I thought it might present it like it, like it had to go on the quarter year the way. Um, but yeah, it just proved too good to run first up over a thousand meters. But in secret, the one who I was on and who I tipped in the race had the best sectionals of the race. Last 200 meters was 11.11, and the last 600 meters, which was 32.6, so he definitely had the best sectionals of the race and. He wasn't really meant to win first up over a thousand meters, I think. Well, 
I hoped he would have, but yeah, like if he's only got natural improvement through that with those sectionals, and if like I'd imagine they'll send him to 1100, 1200 next, and even maybe even up to a mile by the end of the by the end of his prep. But yeah, he definitely had the best sectionals from that race, and he's definitely still one to follow uh, in secret this spring. Uh, race eight was the blowout of the quaddy, the quaddy killer, Major Beal. Uh, we we had Major Beal in the quaddy come second, but yeah, the winner Navajo Peak at forty seven dollars or fifty dollars or something just. Broke my heart. Broke would have broke a lot of punters' hearts of the day because the quaddy wouldn't have actually paid too bad. Other than that, we had Major Beal, who ran second around twenty bucks or something in the quaddy, and I think we had second, third, and fourth as it normally goes. But yeah, that's just it, it, that just goes to show how well the track was playing because a lot of other horses of the day it come from off the speed and ran everything down. But yeah, Navajo Peak just kept kicking from the front and gave nothing else a chance. And when a track when, when a track's playing to favour on speed runners and off pace runners, it just goes to show like that track is in perfect shape. And uh, all I was with the Randwick staff for the way how they conducted the track on the day. And yeah, Navajo Peak just too, proved too strong for the likes of Major Beal and uh, the got the Queen Elizabeth winner in uh, Think About It. So think it over, actually. Um, not much else to take out of that. Like they're serious horses and Navajo Peaks managed to steam them off late. So if you've got a, if you're thinking about following Major Beal or think about it or anything like that, further on this prep, you've definitely got to take Navajo Peak as a strong consideration as well. Race nine was also this somewhat similar to the race kind of shape as that like Pericles. Pericles won and we did tip it luckily. We got a pretty good price and we had 750 or something when we tipped it. And just did exactly the same thing as Navajo Peak, just kind of crawled up the front, didn't really give it like just controlled the race. And then by the time he like exactly let the horse go and they went flying, nothing else could possibly make up the ground in time. The way the way he controlled the race and the sectionals he was running to that point just gave nothing else a chance in the race. And that just goes to show how how good of a rider Zach Lloyd is at the moment and he's winning all these. And with Jay Metcalf for the next four weeks, he's definitely one to follow. Um, but yeah, Pericles, James, um, James Cummings st- stuck it to 1,400 metres, which I was a bit um and ah about. I wasn't really too sure, but goes to show you how good those guys are at placing their horses. Uh, the other horse in the race we had a bet on was uh, Hoping Your Heart. And so we actually like we had two bets in the race and they both got up. And Hoping Your Heart had the best last 200 metre splits of the race in 11.26. He wasn't, I don't remember, wasn't really meant to win 1,400 first up, but like he was definitely with a good chance and of, of the pack coming from behind, we did make up ground. He was definitely one of the best sectionals and the best momentum. So anything second up over 1,600, 1,800 metres or anything, whatever they put him to, is definitely a follow for me. And in the final race at Ranwick, uh, Garza Blanca, bloke, bloke broke through, not bloke through. Uh, yeah, finally got through, got the chockies, and that just goes to show how good that Smashing Eagle form is. Just Smashing Eagle's been running the clock down and Garza Blanca. Been running behind him and just couldn't get the right run in that, in that race, but yeah, even track at Randwick, J-Mac in the saddle right down the outside to get everybody out in the last in the last race. Uh, did exactly that. Proved too good. And the other one who, who I went and I went about in the race was Perret, who I think it was Zach Lloyd as well. And he's definitely still one to follow as one as well. Like if he didn't – like he shouldn't have knocked him off. I think Garza did deserve to win it, but he just was only within a nose on the line. So you can tie that form in with the Smashing Eagle and Cole as well. And Perret's been running down in Melbourne and stuff as well. Had a good win at the Valley last start. So – uh, all honest with the winner, uh, all honest with the Randwick staff too because, yeah, that track played fantastic on the day. And then heading down the border to Caulfield for our quick preview there. Uh, the first race didn't we have a mark down in March. I think we were on Bow Rap each way and it come fourth standard. Uh, it, wasn't, it was paying eight bucks or something. It was gone before in a row and I thought it was worth a bet anyway. Just It, it, it loomed all right. Like I, when I got to the top of the straight with a couple hundred metres to go, I was like, oh, you might be all right here. My second to a place but just fell flat and just gave – Nothing ended up falling back to four, so not really too much to take out of that race. In the second race, Reinberg holds on to is stay is still undefeated this prep with the for the um the Hayes boys, I think. He's with the Hayes boys, I believe. Three from three of his prep and he's knocked he's just knocked off Chorlton Lane, who I was pretty keen on as well, down from Sydney. Uh didn't take Chorlton Lane each way, unfortunately. I was just it was still a bit short, so I took it for the win, but the like the rides was really different. Like I think Reinberg Reinberg drew drew one and Chorlton Lane drew three, and I like the races didn't happen at all. What I thought it was, I thought it was going to be Chorlton Lane. Like it did happen somewhat, but I thought 
they were going to be a lot closer than what they were. And Charlton Lane just had so much work to do when he like he the ground he made up was still a very good effort, which just wasn't enough to catch Reinberg. Uh, so definitely be following both of them out of that race. Reinberg and Charlton Lane are both pretty good horses coming out of it. And in race three, uh, we're on Yellow Sam. I believe, and that's another second. We had a lot of seconds for the day. It could have been a lot of a better day if we had these ones get up, but that's just punting at the end of the day. I was on Nunthorpe first up at Sandown a couple of Wednesdays ago, and it just did nothing for me there. And I was like, oh, geez, I don't know if I can back it again. And I was pretty keen on Yellow Sam, had a couple of good runs under its belt and been looked really ready to win in that race. And But, yeah, Nunthorpe and Peter Moody do it again. Jamie Carr in the saddle and just kicked to the front. And uh, Yellow Sam did make some ground late, but, like, just Nunthorpe just controlled the race and gave nothing else a chance to even catch up to her. So I think Jamie Carr, even after the race, said she was really happy with the horse and she's definitely one to follow as well. If Jamie Carr and Peter Moody are begging her like that, that's definitely good form enough for me. Race four, uh, Frigid, I didn't tip it. I didn't think I even had a bet in the race, actually. and It would have won by about 18 lengths or something, this horse, in the end. The... Cerise and White Stripes from WA. Uh, all honors with the winner. Like it just, it was a pretty weird race. I couldn't really tip anything with much confidence in it. But yeah, Frigid just absolutely blew him away late. And I, yeah, I, I couldn't find that. I was still in, still in shock that it won with so much ease. So if you want to have a couple of black bookers out of that Caulfield meeting, you've got to definitely uh, back Frigid as well because that was that, the win was too good to believe. And I didn't actually catch the sectionals, but just from the eye, it was one of the better wins from the day from the eye anyway. Uh, race five V eight is has a serious serious motor on him, and I reckon he's a. I don't know what race they're going to send him to. I heard some people saying maybe the Derby. I don't know if he's going to see a twenty five hundred. I reckon he's surely going to go to the Guineas, Corville Guineas, sixteen hundred meters around Corville. It looks perfect to me. Uh, we were on Legacies in that race, and I was still pretty keen on it. Like it, it, it did everything right. Car had in the right spot. She gave the right run and everything, but just was run over late by V eight, and I don't think it's anything that Legacies done wrong. I think just think. VA is the better horse, really. Like, it just doesn't come down to anything else, but VA was better. Like, when when I was looking at the race in the first time, I was having an iron about him, but Legacy's had less weight. Jay Carm was at all. Moody was keen on it, and I was having an iron about VA. I didn't know where it was at or if it could produce something like that because I wasn't respecting it. And Legacy's, like, that's the mean Legacy's, they're exactly what I thought it would. Got in the right spot and looked like it was going to win, looked like it was going to win, but just from nowhere. V8 just come out, peeled out late with, with 100 meters to go and put pay to him. And it was a re- it was really good win late. So I don't know what they're going to do with V8, but if I was the trainer, I'd be definitely sending him to a Caulfield Guineas area. In race six, Solcombe with Blake Sheen at about 20,000 to one or something. It was about 20 to one, but geez, it was a good win. It had been spruced around like its last, not its last prep, or maybe the prep before. It was in the Melbourne Cup market. It might have never even been like second or third favorite for the Melbourne Cup from memory and I just never really found anything from after that. It was it had been pretty boom around then, but just had a couple of shit losses and just everyone kind of forgot about it. Just like meh, just forget about it. But yeah, come out first up today, like last Saturday over like sixteen hundred meters or eighteen hundred meters and just blew them away. Like I couldn't believe it. I think I can't remember who we were on in the race if we even had a tip, but the way the ground that he made up in the last two hundred meters with Blake Shin just goes to show like that that ground wasn't enough. He could still go yeah, yeah, he can still go over much further. And he's, yeah, so I don't know what they're going to target him at. Maybe if they do go to the cup with him again, I'm not really too sure. Or maybe even the Caulfield Cup, but he's definitely going to be suited over more distance and so. And I've just had a look over the thing then. We we're actually on Flush Flood. And I think we did have it each way anyway. So that was another good another good play, uh, good win. But yeah, but yeah, so I think, yeah, that was actually the race. So we were like cheering Flush Hard on cheering flash flood home and then yeah just from nowhere you just seen this horse on the rail just come up and boom through a thing and then you check the result and you see Blake Schumer's right and you go oh yeah fair enough but yeah but just, just to the eye and everything it was a very dominant win and will only be suited over better race seven Benedetta best bet of the day broke through another one CEO and lotteries both both of our best bets for the day got that and Jay's Benedetta is a good horse uh I was I'm gonna know about parasale I didn't like I thought I've been I'm an hour and about it the whole time, and I've always been saying that Sydney form is better form. But I was just really keen on Benedetta that day, and she proved me right. It was it was between those two in the race, and we had a fair go with Benedetta. And I think I think we might have even had an Exactor or Quinella in the in the race with Parasail. But yeah, Benedetta just proved her class in that race. Not I thought she would have been a bit further back than what she was. She was kind of a lot more on the speed than what I'm used to her being anyway. And I kind of thought that might have been her undoing. And then Parasail went to the lead and. 
took off and I was like, oh, here we go. But yeah, just Benedetta found another gear late, put him away. So Parasail had some pretty good Sydney form around her as well. So all honest with Benedetta, she'll, I'm not too sure what race they might target her at as well. Maybe even a Caulfield Guineas as well. So that could be shaping up to be one hell of a race in the Guineas. Race eight, uh, as Fora broke through it once again, and it was, I think it was favoured for the Oakley Plate or something in its last prep. But Henry Dwyer's come out and said after that win, we're sending it straight to the Moyer. They want to get a Group 1 under a belt, and I don't blame it. It's a bloody good horse, and it deserves to get a Group 1 to its name. And in the race, like, it just gave nothing off the chances. Sat, sat quietly at the front, kind of a, not really a sit and sprint, but just moderate tempo, and then just when everybody else pushed the button, she was just in the better spot, and she just blew them away late. But the one to take you out of the race was ingratiating, who I was on an iron about. I don't think we... Honestly, tipped it, but I think I did have a better on it before the race. And Ingratiating did have the better sectionals than Asfura in the race, whereas Ingratiating's pattern is to get back. And even if we, even with those better sectionals, it just doesn't really ever work out well for him. He, he he needs to have a bit of luck go for him, needs more pace up front to be able to get him in a better position uh, than at, at the end of the race. So I'm only putting that down to, yeah, just the, just the way the race was won. But uh, Asfura's just that smart of a horse that she can control the race control it of those sectionals and still be too good enough to win. So as for it, definitely deserved the win, but ingratiating did have the best sectionals in behind. So I would definitely still be following ingratiating out of that race as well. And then number nine, race number nine, Mr. Brightside is just, he's, he's going to be one of the best horses in Australia at the moment. The way that he won, it was, I, I was against him. I don't think I even been better on him to be honest, but he drew 15 of 17 or 16 and I just thought the barrier, he, he was. He, he did exactly that. He got caught three wide, no cover, which is exactly what I thought in my head and I just thought, no, nah, that's going to be his undoing there. He was going to be no good and just, it just goes to show you how fit and ready that horse is. Three wide, no cover the trip, got around to the corner and it's kind of what I was saying before in the, in the race before, like with Asfura and so like he's just naturally like been trained to get to those better positions than racing gives him and gives him more chances to win the race. Like he, he didn't even have the best sectionals of the race, but he still managed to win. Like that's just like to train, to be able to train a horse to be in that position is so much more valuable than their sectionals and stuff. But sectionals do still take part in a race in my opinion. But yeah, like if you can have somewhat near as good sectionals and just that natural race shape to get to the front and lead, like he just proved too hard to too hard to loot, like you just can't catch him. And that's exactly what happened with Mr. Brightside. He f- found the perfect spot by Willow. And when they got to the front, he didn't even – he had – his last 200 metres was 11.56. Princess Grace, who comes second, who we tipped in the race, was 11.61 for her last 200. And Amenable, who was literally last on the corner, come through. And I think she managed to make up a lot of ground. She might have come seventh or eighth or something. And Amenable had 11.08. So it's literally 0.5 of a second – faster than Mr. Brightside, but there's still six or like four or five lengths in the in the actual margin just because that Mr. Brightside's just naturally been trained to get to the front and kick on. So all lines with Mr. Brightside keep like keeps winning is a serious horse and I he'll only be better when he gets out over a mile. Uh, I wish I win was brave in defeat. Gate one was always going to be a tricky gate and Luke Nolan did exactly like he did everything he could from there. Still ran home pretty well with good session was still had eleven fifty eight for the last 200 metres, which was just a bit slower than Mr. Brightside, but was quicker than Princess Grace. So still no still no drama out of that. But, yeah, Amenable did have the best last 600 metres splits of that race in 33-41. And I wish I wouldn't have the second best in 33-73. So that's like Amenable definitely had the best sectionals of the race, but just its race like its race pattern and the way the race was run just gave it no, really no chance in the race. So... But if you if, if you still want to follow Amenable, I definitely couldn't tip you away from it. I'm definitely going to be following Amenable if she goes back down to a restricted race or anything just against her own age level, like the um, Golden Eagles coming up. So they might even send her that way. I'm not too sure. But, yeah, those sectionals are pretty good against the proper uh, proper group one field in Australia. In the closing race, uh, devoted one, and that uh, its first up run was second behind Amenable. So... That's just showing how good that amenable form is and it's all tied in with Mr. Brightside and Cohen stuff now. So that form line has got seriously a bit better. So I think – and here to shock, who we also talked about as well, I think comes second in that race. So there's a lot of good horses to take out of that race. Devoted was Devoted was a good win for Tatum Bull. Same thing as before, just was in the right pattern, in the right spot by the corner and just Tatum Bull put it away late. And, yeah, so amenable form, definitely good form to follow for the spring and that Mamsie's form is definitely going to stack up pretty well as well. So that'll be about it for our 
recap of last weekend. We'll go to a quick break now and then we'll have a quick look in on Jack's Beanstalk and we'll give away our tips for Rose Hill and the Valley. Time to have a quick check-in on Jack's Beanstalk after last weekend. We did have a little bit of a win. This thing has started out to a hot start. Uh, we did cop a little bit of deductions because we put the bet on a Wednesday and there might have been a scratching or two, but yeah, we had Bennett entered a place and there was a pretty good, pretty safe bet in my book and she duly saluted. So we're going to keep this thing rolling. We ended up with $63 in the account after deductions. So we're moving this weekend and wasn't really too sure about, there was a couple of races at the Valley that I was going to do it, but they didn't have eight, they didn't have enough horses in the race to get a third dividend and some in an iron about some in Sydney, but there wasn't anything that I was that keen on. But I found one and it's not my best bet of the day, but it's definitely is my next best bet of the day. And it's right and early. So I'm going to see if I'm off to a good start or not. It is race one, number seven, Autumn Angel for Billy Egan and Peter Moody and Catherine Coleman. Number seven at a dollar twenty eight the place. I love its form. It's first up run was behind Legacy, so I tipped last weekend and it's just been knocked off by an absolute jet in V8, and then it's come out, uh, it's next run, it's, it's first I've run this prep, and one, one at CNN on a mid, in, in a midday, uh, yeah, during the midweek races, I won like a pretty good thing, so I'm trusting that form, that's all tied around some Group 1 form, form at the moment, everything else in the race has just been running around Maidens as well, but nothing near the class of Legacies and uh, V8 and co. So pretty happy to take order. There's only eight horses in the race and I only just found this out maybe like a year or two ago, but if, because there's eight horses in the race now, if it, even if another horse comes out that goes down to seven, if your horse still comes in top three, you still get paid out your third dividend because you take fixed odds when there's eight horses in the race. I only just found that out in the last year or so. So we've got $63 in the account and she is going on uh, race find number seven, Autumn Angel. Just quickly showing Jack to verify. Place, confirm. Done. All done. Locked in. So all eyes on Mooney Valley race one, number seven this weekend. And hopefully this beanstalk continues to grow for us. And we will cross over now. I think we're going to go to our Rose Hill preview real quickly. Uh, we'll go through the card and give you some unwarranted tips as per usual. Race one is the bench is the midway handicap for benchmark seventy two over twelve hundred meters, and nothing interests me in this race. Once again, midways are a bit of meh. I'm more inclined to playing the highways, if anything. So there's just nothing interesting me in this first race of race two in the midway. So I'm just going to put that one to the side and move on to race two, which is the tap highway handicap, which is a class three over fourteen hundred meters, and I do have a better miss race, and it's number eight. Take the kitty. It is due. Its last run here was the biggest moral beaten in Australia on that day. Nash's, Nash, Nash retrains, retains the ride, gets a little bit less freight. I think it was in a class two last start. So now it's in a class three, so it's a bit harder. Uh, drops from 58 and a half to 57. Better get better gate. Same distance, same track. If it gets anywhere, Nash will just need to get into a little bit of clear air and not be sitting last on the tail. So I think it looked a pretty good bet and nothing else in this race has produced anything like that. And at $2.40, it's getting pretty low odds, but I'm still happy to take $2.40 for uh, Take the Kitty in race two at Rose Hill. Race three is the Goffs, Goffs Orby sale benchmark 78 over 2,400 metres. And this is one of the races that I was considering taking for uh, the Beanstalk, but it's just a really weird race. It's a staying race, and you've got too much caviar there. I was going to make it, but it's only just ha- it's only just run a second this prep, and everything else has been forced. But the second was against Wine Glass Bay, who's a pretty good horse, and I was tempted to make that, but it's stepping up to twenty four hundred meters for the first time, and that might see it out. Uh, number two, Duke of Hastings is, is a favorite of mine, but. It only won last – I think it's just been out of form, but it won that last race at the Valley over 2,500 metres and dropped slightly back in distance now, but I just don't know about that Valley form. I reckon that the Valley is a really weird race. And if you win those races, it can tend to not stack up against especially the Sydney form this time of year. So nothing really interests me in race three as well. I'm going to put that to the side and move on through. 
race four is the Ram Vet benchmark 78 over 1500 meters, and a Grisilla Styler is a bet. I think most of my bets at thing do have Nash in the saddle on Saturday and Julie. So, no J Mac anymore for the next couple of weeks. So, Grisilla Style should be winning for us. And last start, it was, it, and then we knocked off one of our horses in my quest. He goes around today on Saturday as well as a maybe your second favorite in one of the races. Um, but yeah, like the, the Grand Grisilla style, style made up on that day relevant to the day was really good because it was pretty hard to make pretty hard to make Grand of Rose Hill that day and that's he exactly did that. Ivan's hero, a bit of an enigma horse as well, been stringing together a couple of good, not wins, but like he's been running in the muddy a couple and I was a bit wary of them, but I think the form stacks up well with Marquess. Nashville Williams the saddle three dollars twenty in a eleven horse race. That's pretty good odds for mine. So I'm happy to back race four, number three, Grisilla Styler at Rose Hill. Uh, moving on to race five, which is the New South Wales Starter Red Breeders Benchmark 78 over 1,800 metres. And this is the race with Mark West in it. And he's gone out. He's opened at $3.50. That's $4.20 right now. And that's because the other one, the favourite, uh, number nine, How Good Are You?, Rachel King, Gay Wardhouse, and Adrian Bod has been backed from two seventy into two twenty five, and I was, I was leaning how good a use way. I still don't have a bet. I, I can't tip. I can't tip even in the race because I'm really scared of Marquess, and at the same time, for Marquess, I'm scared of how good a use. So definitely, it should be one of those two winning, but I can't split them to be honest. How good a use got the less weight and got, has got the better running pattern, but Marquess has just been flying and in good form, but. The drift already is starting to worry me, so might get better odds on the day. Uh, not too sure at the moment, but the way my quest is uh, drifting right now, you probably will get a better, better, better price on the day. So even even with how good a use, you might drift again, depending on the market. But yeah, I, I can't split them, so I'm not going to have a bet in race five at Rose Hill. Race six is the Irresistible Pools Shiraco Stakes over 1,200 meters. And unlike the last race, there are two horses in this one that I want to talk about, and I am going to back them both. It's the first favorite and second favorite, but I everything else in the race just first like a lot of them are first up now or second up starting their spring preps. But yeah, the favorite number six IME at two dollars forty is a bet. Won a major race last start, the one that uh, Big Parade broke down in uh, was in the Missile Stakes first up, and yeah, just controlled the race three from three at Rose Hill, undefeated here. Gets Adam Hieronymus. Draw seven and is a natural leader, so we'll have to do some work early to get across. But Rose Hill does tend to favour on pace runners more than backpackers than the back markers for the day. So it depends on how quick they go on the race. But she's just got a late form through her, and I think two dollars forty is a pretty good bet. But number five, Zapateo for Zach Lloyd and James Cummings is my other bet in the race. I can't, I couldn't split either of them because if on pace runners are winning for the day. IME is definitely going to win it, but if if he can make up ground on the day and come from last, number five Zapateo will run IME down, and I'm happy to take three dollars seventy about Zapateo on that race. Yeah, if if, if Zapateo can get the right run and the race shades up for back markers, you, he will definitely be storming home late, and I reckon he will get the better of, of IME in that one. So I'm going to back them both. I'm happy to tip both of them, and hopefully walk away with the chockies in race six. Race seven is the Ming Dynasty quality over fourteen hundred meters, and Tom Kitten's back. But oh, like it was a good win first up, but it's facing it's facing a very different field here, and it's a, a lot of a lot of unknowns. A lot of them are coming through the same kind of races as Tom Kitten, but he's three fifty. In like you got a couple of others in here, like Townsend and Tannhauser and Encap. Like they've been they're pretty spruce horses, just can never really get the right runs in their races. And Capstorm won again, and how good session was last up. But I just don't like Gate One. You never know, like what's going to happen in a horse race, like where they're going to go, how quick they're going to go, or anything. So really hard to judge early for this race. Probably going to leave it alone. I think Tom Kitten is a deserved favourite, but I think three three fifty is a bit short. Maybe from get from barrier fifteen of uh, nineteen horses in that race. Jesus, that's a fair few. So yeah, that looks a that looks a pretty tough race on paper. We'll probably end up like I'd imagine there'll be a couple of scratchings by the day, so we'll wait and see for any final fields on that. But yeah, Tom Kitten deserves favourite, but I I couldn't tip him at three dollars fifty. And race eight is the feature race at Rose Hill for the day, and it's the run to the Rose over twelve hundred meters. And Cylinder is back for Nashville and James Cummings. 
that first up win, I thought it was going to be a lot more dominant than what it was, and it's kind of scared me off a little bit. Libertad had the good win last start, is now undefeated three from three. Could be in with the chance, but the one I do want to back, who I touched on last weekend with the sectionals, is number seven, Butch Cassidy. $14 a win and three thirty a place. You're getting better odds, uh, the place for Butch Cassidy than Cylinder to win. They had very, very similar sectionals. Uh, they're both last races, but Butch Cassidy did have did have a better final 600 metres. And Brett Preble sticks with it from gate five, and I tend to like that a little bit better than Cylinder. Like, Cylinder is a good horse. Like, it, was nearly, it should have won the Golden Super last start. I shouldn't, shouldn't have, but like, come second in the Golden Super, has serious group one form through it and just fell through the line last start. So I'm just not sure. And they both had good sectionals, but Butch Cassidy's last 200 metres were slightly inferior to cylinders but they're both stepping up extra 100 meters and i really think that extra 100 meters for butch cassie is going to suit him perfectly brett, brett preble should know what to do gate five drawn well i think 14 dollars a win and three dollars 30 a place is a pretty good bet in that race like libertad's still a good bet at four dollars 20 but yeah 14 dollars each way and 330 a place is a pretty good bet, bet for me so i would definitely be tipping uh number seven butch cassidy in the run to the rose Race nine is the Theo Mark stakes over 1,300 metres. And pretty tough race once again. Kovalika is first up and is $6 joint favourite, but never won first up, never won over the distance. Is pretty much just favourite because it just has too much class about her, really. Nugget is also a joint favourite at $6. We've been stringing some good wins down in Victoria. Last prep, we just found a couple of races too hard for it. And since, but it's still into six dollars. Argentia is an also favourite at six dollars. So like it's a bloke, like there's three favourites right now at six dollars. So goes to show you how hard that race is going to be. There's already been a couple of scratchings from the race, so really hard to take anything right now. I don't know what the final field is going to be like. I didn't mind Golden Mile first up, but then that run in the uh, wing stakes just wasn't really up to par for me. So. I don't know. It's a, it's a really tough race. The inevitable is in there. is a really gun horse, but I don't know. A lot of horses are first up here. You don't know what they're going to be like, and it's a good betting race with $6 the field, so we'll more than likely have a stab on race day, but for right now with these fields, I just got no idea, so definitely couldn't tip you into anything in the Theo Marks. Race 10 at Rose Hill. This is best bet of the day. Have to wait to the lucky last at Rose Hill, but we're going to get it here. Race 10, number 13, Smashing Eagle, is back once again. The form around him is stacked up massively in the last couple of weeks, and you're getting $5 a win. It's up in grade now to a benchmark 88, but with the with the rising grade, he only drops to 52.5 kilos, $5 a win, $2 a place against a pretty average field, to be honest. Red card is the favorite at the moment, but he's already drifted from 350 to 390. Not a noted first-up runner. Smashing Eagle has just been knocking on the door. These runs the last couple of prep have been massive, massive sectionals, massive horse. 52.5 kilos in the last race at uh, Rose Hill on Saturday is an absolute bet for me and best bet of the day. And that will about do our Rose Hill preview. Uh, I'll probably post the quarties and I'll post the quarties on Saturday morning once the final fields and everything are out on the day. So keep an eye out for that. And we'll go to another quick break now. And then we'll come back with our Mooney Valley tips for Saturday. Being stakes day at Mooney Valley this weekend, and it's a pretty good card down there. Rails back in the true, so hoping for an even even playing field for the day. So hopefully we can start off with a winner. And speaking of starting off with a winner, as alluded to before, race one is the English Ready to Race Sale 1,500-meter race. And at number seven, Autumn Angel, is definitely next best bet of the day. $2.70 has Legacy's form, who's just been knocked off by V8 last start, and that's going to be some... Group one form coming up this spring. Everything else in the everything else in the race has just been winning around maidens and everything. Just a couple of only just broken their maiden, but nothing else has been running up to the class of legacies in V eight at the moment. And two dollars seventy is not a bad price for an eight horse race. No, I can't really say too much else in that race. Autumn Angel should be a pretty good thing on the day. And besides Smashing Eagle in the last at uh, Rose Hill, Autumn Angel is definitely my best bet of the day at Mooney Valley. We'll quickly go over to race two, which is the PFD Food Services Benchmark 70, 1600 meters. Uh, nah, doesn't interest me. 
couple of horses in there that are not bad horses. The creators had a couple of good chances at Sandown, but just can never get the job done. Uh, the favourite place of gold, similar similar kind of thing, has been spooked around for a bit, but just never can finish the race off. Vitruvius is a pretty good horse as well, but got to carry 64 kilos, and it gets three kilos off with Tatum Bull's claim, but just not a race I'm really interested in betting in. I think like the favourites at $6 right now, place of gold, so... Good betting race, but pretty hard to tip a winner in as well. So I'll be steering pretty far clear of race two at the Valley on Saturday. Race three is the Labrokes Challenger Benchmark 70 over the Cox Plate start 20, 20, 40 meters. And I don't mind a couple of horses in here. Like Magnus Spin is not that bad. Um, like it, its win here was good, but that was on the really front pace bias stay. Um, Blake Sheen in the saddle can't complain. He's probably been, he's probably he's been booked for it for a reason, and Blake Sheen is our best jockey at the moment. So have to respect the jockey booking in that race. And I think the CEO was alluding to best bet of the day. So in a sixteen horse race over the Cox Plate start, Magnus being back from twenty five hundred meters to the to the distance he won at last R2040 is the CEO's best bet of the day. So you've heard that here, folks. Magnus Spin, lock it in in race three at the Valley. Race four at the Valley is the Drum and Golf Handicap 1,200-meter race. And pretty weird. Like This is one of the other ones I was, I'm going to know about having for my thing, but there's only six horses in the race. So you don't, you'd have to come first or second to get a dividend and didn't want to risk it. Number one, Corner Pocket's a good horse, but I think it's just fallen off as of late. Like, it's good first up, love the trip, love the distance, but got to carry a bit of weight and it's got to carry, got to give it to some pretty up-and-coming horses at the moment. Number two, Savannah Cleared is a dead set leader and at $4.80 should be up up, up there and withing and gets three kilos off with Sheridan Clark's claim and right down the bottom, number five, recommendation, only has to carry 51 and a half with Carlene Heffel's claim as well and that's a $1.70 favorite, so... It's a really weird race. Recommendation should be winning. The dollar seventy is a bit short. Like betting wise, I'd want to go Savannah Cloud. Like natural leader gets a lot of weight off. Maps it should it's not the best map, but I think it should be like especially around Mooney Valley, you want a leader and it looks a pretty good bet at four dollars fifty, but I couldn't tip in the race with recommendation being that short. If recommendation doesn't win, it's probably gonna be Savannah Cloud and the other and vice versa. So tough race to be able to pin down a winner in it, so I'm going to steer clear of it. But yeah, the the top three in the market should be fighting out for the money, in my humble opinion. Race five at Mooney Valley is the Mackenzie Stakes over 1,200 meters, and I do have a bet here, and it's number four, Stepardi. This is an absolute jet of a horse. I'm, even if it's not Caulfield Guinea's favorite, it should be the Caulfield Guinea's favorite, and I think it's going to. I think it's just too good for him. American Heuristic have got some serious stakes class form going through it. it was very keen on Lemur first up. Uh, kind of just ran a bit flat, wasn't good enough for me. The one that beat it, number five, Centrify, is also in this race at $8.50. So uh, Centrify is probably not a bad bet at $8.50 as well, but just the caliber of horse, I think Stepay is, is the real deal. Three from three, undefeated. I think he's just going to keep winning and go on to bigger and better things this spring. So I've got to tip him. If you want to have a two-bet horse in the race or – $2.50 is too short. Definitely have a better number five center fire $8.50. Can't really knock. It's it's undefeated and knocked off the Murr first up last start. So that form is just too good to resist. So if you're not inclined to take short odds, definitely take the $8.50, but number five center fire. But I'm definitely tipping number four step party in this race of $2.50. Should be winning and should be winning better, bigger and better races this spring. Race six is the Atlantic Jewel Stakes over 1,200 meters. And pretty good race. In all honesty, like the field is very, very good. There's a couple of I'm an Iron Molly Nickers has been spooked by Moody a bit. Uh, prior to Sullivan, who was one of our good runs for the other day at the Valley, uh, Treasure Your Way has won, has won a couple of stakes races or been running in a couple of stakes races. And Charm Stone was another good bet. I think it was Brove's best bet of the day a couple of weeks ago as well. And Julie saluted against Skirt the Law, but just oh, like people. It's obviously a good horse, Tom Stone, but I just don't rate it. I can never really get around it. Probably will win and can win, but the horse I'm having a bet on is another one from our last start as a valley, and that's number five, Inhibitions, each way, $6 a win, $2.10 a place. Ben Mallon, James Cummings, come around here last start at the valley of 1,200 metres in a very similar race against – and ran in Oz Empress, who's also in this race. So the, the race does tie in pretty well together, but, yeah, Sydney forms is just too good a form. 
this time of year and that James Cummins sticking to the Valley, sticking to 1,200 metres and sticking with Ben Mellum. So that is good enough for me. Very wary of Molly Nickers. Moody has declared this horse a pretty good horse. So definitely one to watch out for in the race, but I'm more than happy to tip number five inhibitions each way in the Atlantic Jewel. Race seven is the Community Bendigo Bank Benchmark 100 over the Cox Plate start. And it's a pretty good race as well. The reigning Melbourne Cup champ is back. Uh, gold trip at ten dollars. Uh, young Verta, who's who's also back, who I was having a go at the other week, is back again at ten dollars. So I don't know if he's going to get a start or not. Number seven, Barkley Squares, the favourite of four forty after a pretty dominant run the last couple of starts. And Jimmy the Bear is back, the heartbreaker in the first leg of the quarter. So you know where he's going. Uh, and number eleven, Future History, who won a good race here uh, last start behind, uh, break, like in front of Braden Star and. Um, Jimmy the Bear, no, no, Jimmy the Bear, and Young Weather was meant to be in the race, but it got since scratched from it. So, all a pretty good race in spirit. But four dollars forty a win for Aaron Bay in a fifteen horse race is screaming a bit of yikes, in my opinion. I really couldn't tip anything with this, in with much authority. Young, I, I do like Young Verder. I reckon he's finally found some form again. So, ten dollars wouldn't be a bad play. Like he's definitely going the quarter with. Gold Trip and Cove, like Gold Trip could just come out and prove his authority and just dominate again. But I'm just not too sure about first up over the court at Mooney Valley. So I'm not going to have a better miss race. I'm not going to have a tip in it. And going to probably take pretty wide in the first leg of the quarter as well, to be honest. Race eight is the Middies McEwen stage for the day. And the reigning Everest champion, Giga Kick, is back at $1.90 the win. Uh, some pretty good horses in this race. Rothfire's in the race. Sue Style is in here. Acromantula, who's also back after his good win last start at the Valley. Number five, Imperatriz is this Kiwi is this Kiwi horse who's come in and won the Group 1 William Reed last start here. Over 1,000 metres. Serides and House of Serenity are also in the field, and they're all bloody quick horses. Like I looked at the speed map, and everything in this race besides Giga Kick is a leader. So they are going to go quick quick, quick in this race. And I'm sorry to do it, Giga Kick, but I cannot tip you at $1.90. I'm just – like it, it can win all at once at $1.90. Like it's just going to be too good. For, like it's it's probably – it's going to be very competitive in an Everest and everything people have been saying. But $1.90 first up over 1,000 metres. It's it's last – first up last prep over 1,000 metres. I'll give it on a soft track, which we actually might get it, um, the Valley on Saturday. Was two length was one point four lengths off passive aggressive and Eduardo. Eduardo's kind of flopped off since passive aggressive has been retired since that race as well. So, just I don't think a thousand meters fresh isn't too good uh, for the kick. Like, or like it's it's definitely the best horse in the race. There's no denying that. But just if I want, I couldn't take a dollar ninety first up over a thousand meters. But the horse I do want to have a bet on is number five Imperatres at four dollars. First up, undefeated first up, undefeated over the track and trip. What is the group one winner over the, at the Valley end? You're getting $4 a win compared to $1.90 for Kiki Kiki. Number five, Mickey D in the saddle for the Kiwis. I think it's a great bet of $4 in that race. It's just going to stalk for speed and just be proved prove too, too hard late for this lot. Kiki Kiki's never raced at the Valley, whereas Imperatriz has had a win here as a group one win here as well. So you've got to be able to ride the valley well when Imperatres has already ticked that off against a good group one field. So I like him first up, undefeated first up, undefeated at the valley, and should be is definitely a better bet than a dollar ninety if he could kick. Race nine is the golden ticket into the Caulfield into the Cox plate, and that is the Fian stakes over a mile. And pretty good race in my opinion. Two Valu's been backed already from seven into five fifty. Uh, Pounding's been 15 and 14. Pinstripe has been 9 and 8. Uh, Forgot You, who's undefeated at the Valley, is 41 and $35. But everybody's talking about this number 11 glow for the Mick Price and Michael Kent Jr. horse. $3.10, undefeated at the moment, 4 from 4. They reckon this horse is going to go to the Cox Bay tonight. They really want to get in there. So I reckon this is obviously why they've seen into this race. They want to get a free ticket into it. They've got pretty big wraps on this horse and they reckon he's a pretty good thing. But it's like it has been running some good races and everything, but it's got to carry a fair bit of weight now. It's drawn 12, hasn't drawn the best. In a pretty tough race, I am going to tip two horses in this race, a couple of a couple of not at massive odds, but definitely each way odds. I'm backing number number seven pinstriped each way, $8 a win and $270 a place. 
Second last start behind Mr. Brightside, who's just come out and dominated these last couple of races. So Mr. Brightside form is definitely good form for me. He's better over 1,600 metres, which he's second up to now this prep. Should be suited up in distance, and he did close off well on that race behind Mr. Brightside. And at $8 a win, 270 a place, you know we're getting the same priced odds for pinstripe to place than Globe to win. So definitely taking that each way. And the other one I want to take each way is out of the exact same race to PB Lawrence, and that's number 13, Attrition, for Ben Mallon and Mitchell Freeman at $7.50 a win and two sixty a place. Basically the same reasoning as pinstripe. That Mr. Brightside form which just looks too good at the moment. They both close off really, really well in the race, and they've drawn right next to the born drawn eight, eight and ten in the race. I reckon that's going to suit them pretty well. They don't have too much weight. Attrition's got very low weight. Attrition was really good second up last start, and I reckon he wouldn't be a bad Cox Plate horse either. And I reckon he's really going to really going to excel well this spring. And at seven fifty dollars a win and two sixty a place, that looks a pretty safe bet in my opinion. So I'm having two bets in that race. I'm having, backing number seven Pinstripe each way. And at number 13, Attrition each way. Moving on to the lucky last at the Valley, it is the Power Flow Solutions bank, Benchmark 90 over 1,600 metres. And Hennessy Lad should just be too strong from, once again, sticks to the, sticks to the Valley, 6 to 1,600 metres up in grade now, but drops in weight and drops uh, more weight with Carlin Heffel's claim down to 54 kilos and Nothing else like Ramble Rebel is a bit of an like Ramble Rebel always blow you out of a quaddy there at the Valley's done that to me more than once. So Ramble Rebel will definitely be going in the quaddy. I can tell you that right now. But yeah, Hennessy Lad, that last couple of runs have been good. It comes second last start against Braden Starr, who's been competitive in some tougher races than this. Uh, first Immortal is not a bad horse as well. Been strung together some good wins, but never won at the Valley. Never won first up. Blake Shin sticks with it, which is a good sign, but just not too sure about first up over the mile at the Valley. So, yeah, I'm definitely more than happy to stick with number 10, Hennessy Lad, in the last race at Mooney Valley on Saturday. And that will just about do us for our wrap of uh, this weekend's racing of Fiend Stakes Day & Co. Uh, thanks again, the CEO, for having us on, mate. Um, hopefully we can get both our best bets up once again and hopefully we can grow this beanstalk to another level. Absolutely dominated yet again, mate. Huge episode, massive week last week and uh, make sure you follow on all socials and obviously Jack's beanstalk's going to get up. Gamble responsibly. <laughs>